Hello, everybody, and Hello. welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. I'm Jordan. And I am Micah Macaw, and we are married. Yep, and we exist. We, in our marriage, exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. That was the vow we took on that day yep. so many years ago. Yep. And uh, it is the year 2024. Did you know that, Jordan? No. And this is our first episode of the year. Cool. And we're kicking it off very strongly. Yeah. With uh, an all-time classic for me, a linchpin movie for me, if you will. Uh, not a David Lynch movie, but mm. a linchpin movie nonetheless. And that is Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven. Indeed. Yes. So that's what we got for you today. And I guess that about does it. Have a good 2024. No, come on. You know this podcast. Maybe it's your first time listening we're going to give you some primo, primo listening today. That's our New Year's resolution. To primo, finally get start giving listen. you some primo listening. <laughs> um, I think for you, this has got to be one of your favorite movies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I mean, spoiler alert for this. Uh, I, I would say pretty much equally love all three of them. Really? Yeah. And, and there's actually, and I'll talk about this next week, but. Uh, I was shocked and surprised when I found out when I was older that like Ocean's 12 is is often looked at as like a classic example of like the sequel not living up to the original. Oh. And I remember my dad and I always... The bad guy to help. I, no, it's great. It's actually, that's the third movie you're thinking of, oh. but... What's the second movie? Second one is uh, when they, it's like out, uh, it has the um, the French guy in it who yeah. does the laser beam yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. and they're trying to get the Fabergé egg. And so what's the third one? The third one has Al Pacino, and they're, and he screwed over um, uh, Carl Reiner. Oh, okay. And so they're, like, getting revenge on him. Man, I, okay, because I wasn't sure if I'd seen the th third one, but I think I have, based on what you're saying. Yeah, you've seen them all. You've yeah. seen them all. I think the last time I watched the third one, you watched it with me. Okay. I know that anyway. we had COVID yeah. during that time because I remember we were eating Chipotle and I couldn't taste it. Ah, a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these, all three of these movies are some of my most watched movies for sure. Yeah. Uh, so and when I'm, did you first see this one? Yeah. So I remember exactly when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, I was at a friend's house, Jake Miller's house. And age, uh, well, this came out in 2001, which we would have been like first graders. Mm -hmm. So I'd imagine it's probably like second or third grade, maybe. I think this is 2002. Uh, uh, no, I think it's two, yeah, it's 2001, but oh. December. Oh, okay. So DVD probably comes out in two, definitely comes out in 2002, but it seems pretty young. So you watch this as a kid, like as a eight, nine year old. Oh, no, but but he came to Grace in fifth grade. And then we became friends in sixth grade. So it probably would have been sixth grade. Got it. So like 2006-ish. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I figured that out. Um, I'm so smart. Okay. Uh, so I remember this was still in the age of like, I, I wasn't necessarily always allowed to watch PG-13 movies. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember either his mom or me or someone, we called my parents to ask if I could watch it. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have that experience? Um, I don't. I don't know if I've ever. I'm. It sounds like I maybe. It feels like I have. It feels like I have. Yeah. I just have this. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is I have this memory. So Mike and I grew up as a little private school, sheltered children, uh -huh. and I remember being at a friend's house. But not weird. Okay. I hope not. We're, we're no, no, homeschooled. No. 
<laughs> Whoa. I'm sure we have plenty of great homeschool listeners. I know, I know. I'm kidding. Jordan. I kid. Um, but I have this memory of being at a friend's house as a kid. Um, she was on, We are on the same softball team together. Mm-hmm. And she went to public school. And I remember seeing like their DVD collection and they had like Hannibal. In yeah. It. And I remember thinking like these people watch like that. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had this like fear that they would want to watch Hannibal. Yeah. And I would have to like m- try and come up with an excuse. Right. Of like to get them to not know that I would be too scared to watch it. Right. Yeah. That's the thing that evokes. That's the memory it evokes for that's me. That's funny. Um, but yeah. So I, then I remember we watched it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked it. The the like twist of how they pulled it off at the end was like. Oh wait, you know what? Because yeah. one of my first PG thirteen movies is School of Rock, and I watched it uh-huh. in with my cousins in their car on the way to like Mount to Lake Shasta. Okay. And I remember like knowing that we weren't supposed to watch it. Oh. But like after I we watched it, it was like what that was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I think I think you've actually mentioned that specifically on this podcast oh, before. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, 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 because I, I think we talked about our first PG thirteen movies, yeah. with Jurassic Park. That was my first. This one is so like fine. Um, yeah, but I I, I, I think... do see it being hard for you to follow if you were a sixth grader. No way! Come on, okay. it just it just cruises. But but there was there's like it's stuff that now is like nothing, but, but like there is for a sixth grader, there's definitely like some sexual content in the movie. Not that much though. Like well, barely. No, I know it's, it's especially yeah. for like a Vegas movie. It's, it's pretty tame, pretty tame, but, um, and there's two F words in the movie too. Yeah, um, that's true. But it is, it is, this is like the coolest movie ever made. It It is so cool. Oh yeah. It is. It is as cool as, uh, Joe Camel. well and and this movie defined pretty much every actor in this movie this is like how i came to know who they were yeah um and i think it's a lot of uh, that for a lot of people yeah and i and i do feel that for clooney and pitt uh specifically i do feel like this is like part like the first movie in like the next generation of movies that they're in so this is right around Fight Club. No, this is right after Fight Club. Yeah, Fight Club's ninety so nine or ninety eight. I'm curious when they shot these two, those two movies, because I feel like his hair was still a little Tyler Durden-y. Sure. And I'm curious if shot if the movies were shot close together. Well, I think it'd be at least a couple years, because yeah, Fight Club I think is ninety eight, and this is two thousand one. Yeah. So, but this movie didn't have to have been shot. It could have been shot in nineteen ninety nine. No, it was yeah, it, it was shot wasn't. in two thousand one. I, I saw okay. the okay. I saw that it was shot the beginning of two thousand. But I think that's also so, just that's the, this is the era of Brad Pitt where yeah. he looks like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like the ultimate thing, and I I think this to me kind of sold even just how the movie was. It's like you watch this movie, and Soderbergh is such a good director that like it truly feels like George Clooney and Brad Pitt are the coolest guys who have mm-hmm. ever lived. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. like no one that comes close. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, all of that is very interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I just watched the movies after that. I, uh, I I didn't see Ocean's 12 in theaters. I'm not sure when that came out, but I did see Ocean's 13 in theaters. Oh, okay. Um, and we owned all the DVDs and watched them all the time. Watched it you know? the other night? Yeah. DVD. It was like Lord of the Rings, Ocean's, Star Wars. That's like what I'm going to watch. On your repeat? Yeah. 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 Um, For me... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I don't remember when I saw it for the first time. Oh, As Jordan. per usual, 
I don't have a a brain like yours. A blessing thing. and also a curse. I'm sure. What do I always say? Saw bits and pieces on TV. Yep. And then finally, at, at some point, sat down and pressed play on it. Maybe that's why you don't remember because you I didn't so. have like specific. Like I just have specific. You didn't have memories. cable. Yeah, I, didn't I think have that's cable. a big part of it. So you didn't like flip on the TV and see what movie was playing on TNT. Yeah, I guess that that's probably it. Actually, it's just like, oh, we're watching this movie tonight. So yeah. I remember, like, oh yeah, we watched that movie. You yeah. Know? Um. Yeah. Uh. Oh, there was something else I wanted to say, but I don't. Oh. What was awesome about this movie was I feel like, you know, as I've, we've often discussed, it's like you like movies as a kid and then you start growing up and you, mm-hmm. you at some point, you know, become like a film person. Mm-hmm. And so watching this movie post becoming a film person, it's like this isn't necessarily on like IMDb's top 250 or like it's not mentioned as like the greatest movies of all time. So, you know, I put it in and I'm like, well, this is a fun movie. It'll at least be fun. And I watched it again, you know, this is probably like a decade ago. And I'm like, oh, this movie like completely holds up. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is masterclass filmmaking. Is she is she stirring? No. Oh, okay. She's in a position though that's um a little risque. Yeah. Risque. <laughs> or risky. That's yeah. what I meant to say. Uh yeah. So do you wanna hit uh actors or do you want me to hit you with how it was made? Let's talk about a couple people. Okay. Because we can it break is, it up. It is uh an ensemble, as we all know. So we've yes. not talked about Brad. Talked about Brad before. No, I don't believe so. Um, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but when Mike and I were seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in theaters <laughs> and the scene when Brad Pitt is on Leonardo DiCaprio's roof working on his antenna and he takes off his shirt, Micah turns to me and says, have you ever seen a more beautiful man? <laughs> so that is Brad Pitt to Micah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I always said that he looked the best in that movie. And then we watched this movie last night and I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if you can beat the oceans, Brad. It's just the, it's just, what's your favorite phase? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but like I said, the guy looks good. Let's just say he's that. He's great. He, he is. Looks you look good. at him and you're like, that's an A-list actor. Yeah. yeah. They're constantly talking about him and people magazine and us and star and blah, blah, blah about his Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston thing. And it's like, I think it's just cause we like looking at him. Yeah. There was no way this man was not going to be famous. You know no. what I mean? Nope. You can't look like that and not get famous. Nope. Um, it's crazy because it not it's not crazy, but he is from Oklahoma. Wait, he was born in Oklahoma, and then I I know that Clooney's from like Kentucky, and it's like what other beautiful people are coming out of those states? Wow, yeah. Um, but yeah, Fight Club, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Twelve Monkeys, Moneyball. Um, that's just teeny tiny little parts. Well, and, and are you by chance looking at his filmography in, no. in its order? Nope. Because if, if you could, just for sake of me, could you list off Fight Club up to this movie? If you wait. I can wait. I can wait. Okay, 1998, he is in Meet Joe Black. And then 1999, he's in Being John Malkovich. And, oh, he's uncredited in that movie. Oh, okay, but he is in Fight Club and Snatch. In 99. Okay, 99's Fight Club snatches 2000. Okay. Spy Game, 2001. Okay. Um, as And then also Ocean's Eleven. Okay, so, yeah. So Spy Game, have you seen that movie? Uh-uh. It's got Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. No way. That is, oh, yeah, I've seen like a... Robert... Okay. What's the... What kind of ratings do we got on that? Metacritic. 63. 
oh, we gotta watch it. Yeah. So this, okay, then this to me, Fight Club, Snatch, and this movie in conjunction, I think that's like what what becomes the next phase of Brad. The 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 not so much heartthrob, but the cool Brad. Because sure. he's heart heartthrob before that. Meet Joe Black. Um, the, well, he's in the, seven in nineteen ninety five. Interview with a Vampire, nineteen ninety four. Okay. Um. That that's uh, uh, yeah. Seven is like the beginning of okay. This guy could be like a movie star. I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, as far as like acting chops, movie star. Yeah. And then, and then those other movies are still in the heartthrob realm. And then this is this is officially, and I think this movie cements it. Brad Pitt is cool. Sure. Um, yeah, just had to had to hit that. Could could you by chance catch up George from Batman and Robin to this? If you wait, <laughs> <laughs> they got long filmographies, yo. I know, I know. Okay, so in 1996, he's in From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, 97, Batman and Robin. 98, Thin Red Line, but so is everyone else. Out of Sight. Right. Um, 99. And Out of Sight is a Soderbergh movie. Oh, okay. Haven't seen it, but yeah. Okay. Um, 99, he's in Three Kings. Okay. Uh, Failsafe, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou in 2000. He does that before this. Okay. I don't, I don't remember the movie being that old. Um, and he's in Spy Kids? What? I don't remember that. Well, it's official. We got to rewatch Spy Kids. <laughs> um, but hey. that's 2001. And then, yeah, and then Oceans. And then Oceans. Okay, okay, so that catches him up. Um, so that's Clune. That is Clune. Um, also in this movie, part of the crew, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac, yeah. Um, he is in the Bernie Mac show. Did you ever watch that show? No. Did you? No. Um, Mr. 3000, of course, Mr. which 3000. I saw in the Bahamas. Bad Santa old dogs so on so forth yeah. he uh from my I, I remember as a kid cuz he died in 2008 uh that's when i found out you could die of pneumonia oh he, i thought he was a heart attacker no i thought it was i think it's pneumonia oh okay oh no oh okay so he had an autoimmune disease oh. i don't know if pneumonia was a complication of that that's my memory as a kid okay um Elliot Gould plays Ruben Tishkoff. Yes. He's got a Jerry Lewis vibe for me. Uh-huh. Um, and I couldn't, I didn't like come across anything like that. So I think it's just a me thing. Almost like a fun caricature. Right. <laughs> fictional version of him at this age. Um, he is in MASH. Yes, he is. Um, Not the show, though. The, the movie. movie. Uh, the Long Goodbye. Um, Lincoln, Lawyer, <sighs> The Show. I was kind of clicking through the commentary on this movie, and it was with to Soderbergh and Ted Griffith, the uh, writer of the movie. Griffin, excuse me. And um, it's it's just, again, that, that thing you and I are so fascinated with, which is casting. And, you know, right from the get-go, they're like, well, we want someone who's, like, established and cool, and so we need, like, an actor from, like, the 70s that will harken back and make people feel... 
you know, like legit about this. And oh, so okay. then I think the casting director suggested Elliot Gould and they were like, that's perfect. Oh, interesting. that'll just like get people in the right frame of mind and get what's happening. Hmm. So that's cool. Um, also in this movie is Carl Reiner, father of Rob Reiner. Yeah. Um, but Carl Reiner is one of the creators of the Dick Van Dyke show. Wow. Yeah. Um, he's also in the jerk. I don't remember him in it. Me neither. We just re we, or we watched that for the first time, and boy, did we laugh! It was very funny. Um, Dead men don't wear plaid. The man with two brains. He's in a lot of silly, silly comedies. Yeah, and but also, well, let me think. Let me look at this. No, no, no. He's written a lot. Oh, okay. Um. Did, so did he? Was and he created? Was stuff. he in the jerk or was he? Did Let's, he just write? No, it? he was. I believe so. Yeah, that's what it's saying. Okay. Um, and then Shaobo Kin, uh-huh. Kin um, who plays Yen, um, he is an actual acrobat. Oh, okay. Tist. I don't know. What's the term for acrobatist? Acrobat. Or he's Acroba- an acrobat. Um, acrobat. So this is all he's done. Okay. Um. And then I, I did see a thing for him that he considered stunt acting, stunt uh-huh. being a stuntman after this, and then didn't really work out. So he went back to being an acrobat. Oh, interesting. Just, however you say it. Acro Battalion. Yeah. Um, Eddie Jemison plays Livingston Dell. That's the the man behind the computer. Yeah. Um, he is in The Punisher, but like the the Tom Jane the one. Tom Jane one, um, as well as. The new Goosebumps, Goosebumps thing, uh, the new Magnum PI. He apparently is a nope. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Scott Kahn, James Kahn's son. Hawaii Five O himself. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. He's also in Gone in sixty seconds. Varsity Blues. Um, yeah. I mean this this movie is masterclass in casting. Everybody yeah. is so Although pitch perfect. I, I it's did crazy. see. There were several people that they wanted for this movie who couldn't do it because of World Tenenbaums. Yes. So originally they did want Luke and Owen Wilson to play the brothers. Yeah. But they couldn't because of World Tenenbaums. And I think they wanted Gene Hackman. I'm yeah. assuming for maybe like the Elliot Gould character. Okay. Um. Oh, that would make sense. But again, couldn't get him. In the commentary, it sounded like with Elliot, it was suggested and that's who they got. Okay, then maybe it was another character. But I know with... Carl Reiner, they were trying to get someone else, but they didn't say who it was in the commentary. Maybe it was Gene Hackman. So then. maybe that was Hackman. Yeah. Um, Casey Affleck um, plays the other brother. He is um, a brother of Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, he is the superior Affleck, in my opinion. He is by in the sea. all ways, shapes, and forms. He is in Manchester by the Sea, a ghost story, Oppenheimer. I, th- I thought he got like in trouble, else. though, for something. Some like abuse stuff. I think he did. He can still so, be a so, better actor. Well, but he might not be better than Ben Affleck in all oh, ways. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. You're right about that. Um, but yeah. And and Interstellar. Right. That's about but it I, on the I, I, Oh, and then Julia Roberts. And and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he was. I'm confused by it. He was in Oppenheimer. But so was everyone else. So well, well it just makes me think like he must not be on the total outs then. Oh. You know? Yeah, I just don't remember. Yeah. Matt Damon, we've not talked about. No. Also Interstellar. Also The Martian. Depotted. Goodwill Hunting. 
talented Mr. Ripley. Oh boy, is he talented. <laughs> and the informant, which I now want to rewatch. Oh yeah. Because Another of watching Soderberg. these movies. Now that is so good. And recommend the book. With yes. Uh with Matt Damon, what again with this movie, I I do feel like he's little kid, not little kid. He's he's teenage college Matt Damon. And then this movie is like the transition point for him. Yeah. Uh, but he's still playing on like, oh, I'm the new kid at. The-. It's it's almost as if the movie is like, hey, we're George Clooney and we're Brad Pitt, and you are the next great actor. But you got to earn it, kid. You got to get as uh-huh. good as we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what are you gonna say? This movie's about movies. I didn't say that. But you are going to say this movie's about making movies at some point. I would say that. Yes. I, I Gosh. well, no, no, no. I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll just say it up front. Um. I I think that time travel movies and heist movies are inherently about making movies. Okay, and uh, now you've said it. Yeah, and now Jordan's it's out there. Jordan's very sick of movies about movies. Well, I'm just, takes. it's just, yeah, I am tired of it. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Um, Andy Garcia, he's in The Godfather Part Three. Yeah. The Lost City, these other movies, Expend for Bulls. <laughs> they got him. <laughs> and then Julia Roberts. Let's see where she was yeah. at in the middle of all this crap. Yeah, please. Please. Okay, gotta wait for me to scroll. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. We wait, watched wait. Pretty Woman for the first time this year. I think we may have mentioned that on a previous episode. Yep. Not great. Nope. Not a great movie. So in 1997, she's in My Best Friend's Wedding. 1998. She was in Grayson's Wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Stepmom, Notting Hill, 1999. Runaway Bride, 1999. Another Richard Gere. Yep. vehicle with her aaron brockovich 2000 another soderbergh movie it is oh uh-huh. no i really want to watch it i didn't i never knew. i know we i haven't... think if i'd known that i would have watched that movie a long time ago i yeah i'd always kind of avoided it uh why would you avoid not it? not avoid it but it's like the cover of the movie's not very interesting yeah i think i've never felt in the mood but the last few years i've been really always in legal the mood dramas, for legal baby. dramas well yeah and then when i found out it was soderbergh i was like oh i have to watch this and then i just keep forgetting to watch it yeah that's me too. that's all it and is and then by the time maybe we can it's not on a streaming service yeah which is probably what's going to happen next time we want to watch it and then in 2001 uh is oceans 11 as well as the mexican um yeah and america's sweethearts okay so should i talk about who made it yeah so first of all, in 1960, uh, a lot of people probably don't know this. I didn't know this for many years, but this movie is, it has a title credit that it says, based on Ocean's Eleven by Harry Brown, Charles Lederer, George Clayton Johnson, and Jack Golden Russell. Uh, this was a Rat Pack movie, right? So yes, this was a movie that starred Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and whoever the fourth Rat Pack guy is. Uh, I don't remember his name. Um and it came out in 1960, and it is them ripping off a casino. But uh, it it came out to mixed reviews. It's not really like a beloved movie or anything like that. Okay. Um, Mickey but, Rooney. Wait. That he's, He was not part of the Rat <laughs> yeah, Pack. Yeah, wait, sorry. I, I just saw a name, and I shouted it out. <laughs> uh, oh, this isn't... This isn't... Just keep talking. Did you just look up Rat Pack, or did you look up yeah, the movie? Yeah, but it's saying... They originated in the late 40s and early 50s as a group of A-list show business friends such as Errol Flynn, Nat King Cole, Mickey Rooney, Frank Sinatra. And then it gets into Sammy Davis, J- Sammy Davis Jr. and others, and Dean Martin. Okay, I guess I didn't realize that it extended beyond 
them. This oh, you're probably thinking so. Then this picture it's Frank Sinatra, D. Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, and Joey Bishop. Okay, I don't know who's in Ocean's Eleven. Then I know the three I mentioned are. I, okay. I don't know if if any others are. You want me to look? No, I'll look it up. You can keep keep talking. Okay. Um, but yeah, so so the movie got mixed reviews. I'm not sure why Ted Griffith started working on a script for this movie because it seems like a very random property to be like, hey, we're making a remake of it. Peter Lawford. Okay, Peter Lawford. Um, yeah. But so he just for fun. That that's what I don't know. I don't know if he was yeah. commissioned by Warner Brothers or what. Soderbergh. Or- uh, yeah, I I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't find that information. Um, and I didn't think to look for it in so many words this time around. But I imagine it's one of those projects that producers were just like, hey, you know, are you a screenwriter? Would you take a stab at this? Mm-hmm. And then he's writing it, and he writes like a killer screenplay. Yeah. And then they got it. So one of the things Ted Griffith did was he he didn't want to make any references to the Rat Pack. Yeah. Or no, like, winky inside jokes. I saw that this was cut from the movie, but at one point, like, Clooney or Pitt looks up at this, like, poster of of uh, Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. And so it's a very, like, obvious nod. I That's that interesting because uh, in the commentary, I think it might contradict that. Oh, okay. Potentially, because um, there's a scene toward the beginning, um, I can't remember what, but Brad and Clooney are talking, and in the... On the opposite side of where where they're shooting from, uh, there's like a huge like portrait of the Rat Pack, and Soderbergh like made sure that he did not include that in the shot. And and the screenwriter was like, "I was so glad that that you were like on the same page and and not doing that." And maybe and that's I, what that what thing I read what, meant to was say? getting at. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I guess I don't know anything, and I'm stupid. No, 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 you're not. It's the, it's I'm to be trivia. It's like not vetted. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Um, that was not supposed to be a, a correction kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I guess even though having said that there's a few references still in the screenplay and Soderbergh like cut all of it. Okay. And I think that's wise. Sure. I don't think we need the wink. Today they would like be, the whole thing would be dependent on the wink. (laughs) I know. Seriously. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about Steven Soderbergh. Um, he made this movie called Sex, Lies, and Videotapes, and that movie won the Palme d'Or. Whoa. And, uh, have you seen it? I have not seen it. Um, and it was, it, that was when he was 26. 26? Yeah. And he won that? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Doesn't that make you feel like a loser sometimes? Sometimes. No, I, I accept I accept what I am. Okay, great. And what I can't wow, change. Wow, very healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he won that. And then after that, he he kind of has a rough time for a couple of years. The movies he's making Good. just aren't... <laughs> <laughs> they're just not connecting with people. Yeah. Then he makes Out of Sight, which is a moderate little hit. And then Aaron Brockovich which is a big hit. Did uh, Julia Roberts win for that? I believe she did. Okay. Uh, and then he makes Traffic... And there's movies in between all these because this is traffic. Have you ever seen that? No, I could not finish that movie. It was one of the yeah. ugliest movies I've ever seen. It was like I hated how it was shot. And that seems that's crazy. I know. And maybe it's I, not. Maybe I'm sure it's just me. Yeah. But I could not follow a thing. How long movie. ago did you watch it? Um, Like right before we got married. Okay. 
Seems like we need to traffic rewatch. Need to, yeah, maybe. Need to start up the It does vehicles. have Benicio, which is why I watched it. Yeah. Well, and he won Best Director, the Oscar for Best Director for that movie. I know. Yeah. Which, I mean, that doesn't necessarily Again, mean... I'm stupid. I didn't win the no. Palm d'Or at 26. <laughs> um, I'll just play with my baby. <laughs> then he goes on to make Ocean's Eleven. Uh, I also found out that he was asked to direct Insomnia and and decided uh, not to. Hmm. Didn't didn't want to do it and thought Christopher Nolan would be... He'd rather see him do it. Okay. Um. So then the cinematography. This is pretty interesting, Jordan. And I think your your ears are going to go, huh? Uh, the cinematography is by a man named Peter Andrews. Do you know who Peter Andrews is? No. No, of course not. Because Peter Andrews is an alias for a pseudonym for Steven Soderbergh. Wow, so he's a cinematographer? Yeah, and I found out there are some exceptions, but he shoots, he is the cinematographer on most of his movies. Really? And so... That sounds hard. To yeah. not have that collaboration. Yeah, but it's crazy because I these movies I find to be so visually exciting, both yeah. in colors, composition, and then the camera movements. And so I'm like, who's the cinematographer? Peter Andrews, he's a killer. And it's like, oh, uh, okay, I get it. Yeah. And I haven't seen, I wouldn't even say I've seen half of Steven Soderbergh movies because the guy is like, he's like Woody he Allen. He out. just makes them. Yeah. Um, He'll make them on an iPhone. He doesn't care. Yeah. Then, and it'll make him go insane. <laughs> but uh yeah he I, the, I like every movie i've seen by him looks incredible that's that's also why it's like traffic looked bad i know and again i'm wrong <laughs> with the palm door at 26 <laughs> i guess jordan really wished she won the palm door <laughs> it's, the, it's the one thing i want in life <laughs> but um yeah so uh he does that and he also has on a few of his movies he has the pseudonym Marianne Bernard for editing. Oh, so a man taking another thing from him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, these are both references to his parents. I'm absolutely kidding. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but he, he, there, there's an editor on this movie, though. It's not him. Okay. Uh, now, the music is by David Holmes, and he's an Irish musician and composer, and Danny DeVito commissioned him to do the score for Out of Sight. And that's what got him going on music scores. Oh, Danny DeVito must be in that movie? He must be. Another More reason, reason to, to watch, watch it. it. Clooney and DeVito in the same movie? Batman and Penguin? <laughs> uh, yeah, and so to me, this score is like absolutely probably like top 10 iconic for me. All three of these movies, I used to, like I would buy songs from them on iTunes when I got cards. It's so cool. It, it is such a groovy... It's so cool that you did that, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. It is such a cool score. Everything about this movie just exudes cool. Oh, I, yeah. If you could be a fraction of cool... I mean, this movie, get George Clooney in a black turtleneck. Need I say more? And then to top it off, uh-huh. he's wearing just a, a beautiful peacoat. Yeah. At, at, at a certain point. It might even be with the turtleneck. I don't remember. Yeah. But it's simply divine. It's it's unbelievable. It's yeah. exquisite. This is yeah. This is where we reach the epitome of handsome, <laughs> <laughs> and that is George Clooney. Well, this is and what? Sorry, to yeah, keep yeah, cutting yep, you off. Yep. It is not even just like a personal preference. It is an actual. It's scientific yeah, fi- yeah. fact that that is the epitome of handsome yeah. and cool. Well, and and I'll say this 
now instead of when we're doing the plot. But at the beginning of this movie, you see Danny Ocean and he's got a goatee. And then there's this reveal of him coming up an escalator and he doesn't have the goatee anymore. And it's, it is just an absolute, this, like if you had never seen George Clooney in a movie ever, which I think when I saw this movie, I hadn't, you would be like, that's a freaking movie star. That is a movie star. (laughs) And, and in the commentary, Soderbergh said, I think that, uh, George Clooney should owe me residuals for how good he looks in this shot. <laughs> like, like how, how, how movie star performance, like yeah. introduction this shot is to his, to him. Yeah. Um, which I love. Definitely. And it is true. It's like kind of jaw dropping. Um, but yeah, this, this movie is to coolness. What the before trilogy is to romance. Yeah. <laughs> these are like the three, they're the two like best trilogies and, and Lord of the Rings. It's like, these are the three, like, Perfect trilogies. Um, so this movie comes out December 7th, 2001, and this movie is a ginormous hit, Jordan. Really? $85 million budget, 183 in the U.S., and 450 worldwide. Whoa. This movie Wait, almost the makes budget? 85. Whoa. It almost makes uh, uh, half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a couple of quick things. Um in 1987, okay, actually, this answers the question. Uh, in 1987, producer David Permit says he wants to make a remake of Oceans. So I think ever since 1987, they've just been trying to do a remake. I think the idea is just Makes too sense. fun. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I found out, like, Ray Fiennes was planning to be in this movie, but wasn't able to. Do you know which role? I don't. Um, but it's not Clooney, Brad, or Julia Roberts. Okay. <laughs> um, Alan Arkin was going to be in it. I did see that. Um, and then Damon replaced Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Which it's hard to imagine Mark Wahlberg being in this. He's, sorry, he's not cool enough to be in this movie. He, no, no, he doesn't have the right energy for no. this. He'd be all like, he'd be all like, hey, what's the deal with? What's this? When I post this thing here, what happens? Money comes out? Oh, huh? it just lights up and goes ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I didn't know that I pickpocketed you. Better pray about it. Better pray about it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, um, Joel and Ethan Cohen were going to be in the movie I at one point. I also saw that. I think as the brothers. So, yeah, I think it was Joel and Ethan Cohen, and then... Then the Wilsons. No, no, they were going to replace the Wilsons, I'm reading oh, right here. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, this is so funny, because this article that it's I'm quoting from is old, and it's like, it's from Owen, or they... they uh, <laughs> Neither Joel or Ethan Cohen will be able to step in to replace Owen and Luke Wilson, who will likely move aboard the Wes Anderson directed The Royal Tenenbaums, which is just funny because mm-hmm. it's like that's a long time ago. Of course, it's they're so in old. It. It's so dumb. Um, and then my last note on this movie is Don Cheadle has a Cockney accent in this movie. Yeah. So. So I did see. I can't remember <laughs> who it was, but I think yeah. there were other people considered for the role before him, and I think those people were British. Yeah. So. Uh, he he was written British. Yeah. Then he signs on, and they're like, okay, you don't have to do British. And then he's like, no, I want to do British. I saw that he spent time in London. He did. Yeah. So his his Cockney accent is terrible in this movie. Yeah. I didn't know that until probably like this watch. I didn't even realize how bad this accent was. It's kind of endearing. I kind of love it. And that's probably nostalgia. Like sure, just, just sure. blanketing that for me. It is just so, yeah. Um, It's bad. But, like, his mannerisms and everything else he does is so perfect that it's like, yeah, this guy's just weird and eccentric. And, and knowing that he's not British, 
and he's not doing a great accent, and then he's using like jargon. Yeah, it makes it more embarrassing. Yeah, but he has he had this quote. Um, my British friends tell me it's a truly terrible London accent in Ocean's Thirteen. You know something? I really worked on that accent. Went to London, spoke to people, got to know it. My agent said it was fine, so I'm stuck with this thing, even though everyone laughs at me. So I sacked her, of course. <laughs> I think I saw, too, that maybe by the second movie, he tried getting rid of it. Like, you know, guys, it's fine oh, if I just he? don't do it, right? Yeah. And then they're like, no, you have to. That's your yeah. character. So funny. Yeah, so Basher. he was just stuck with it. Yeah. Well, should we get into the plot? Sure. So the movie begins. And we see Mr. Danny Ocean sitting in front of the parole board. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they did shoot a reversal of the parole board, but then they were like, nah, just keep it yeah, on I Clooney. Like no, no, I think it's the way to go. Don't take your eyes off him. Yeah, any ch- that's that's a good rule of thumb, especially for this era of, of Clooney, Clooney. Is like, if you go, should we, should we move away from looking at him? Probably not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and you got Brad Pitt in this too, so it's like... Just keep it on. And you got Julia Roberts. It's like, any chance you get, just leave the camera on them. They're movie stars, you yeah. know? Um, so he's at the parole, and he's he gets let out. Um, we, we do find out a little bit that he was, that he's some kind of thief. Um, yeah. He's been tried for a lot of things in the past, but this is the first time he's actually been convicted of anything. Um, and then some, he... he kind of is like my life my my wife left me um and i I acted out yeah um and and one thing that i really really love about this movie and and i think it's 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 a good thing to do whenever you're doing movies with criminals Mm -hmm. um is there every character and like conversations that a lot of them have feel like um they they make references to things we'd never get explanations yes. for. Yes, it feels um, like they're a real person. Yeah, and and I I think that's a good rule of thumb in general. But when you have like people who are burglars, it, it's really great for them to be like, oh, are we gonna do the Madonna twist on this one? Uh, no, that didn't work out too well last time. And it's like you don't need to explain what that is. Yeah, we don't need to know what that is. Yeah. Um, it also like establishes a a because it's him and Brad. A lot of those conversations are like that, yeah, more than anybody. And it's like it establishes a history without giving us the history. Yeah, and they have they have such a rapport. You would think that these people, like Brad and Clooney, were like best friends. For this is their like whole this movie feels like kismet. Like like that. It just now. I mean, I I'd have to look back, but it's like just now these guys were in a movie together. Yeah, Ugh. this caliber. It's just this is. This is what we we lose when all movies are just superhero movies. Yeah, we we lose like just movie stars being movie stars. Yeah, you will. No one will ever feel this good about a pairing than like if you put when they tried putting Dwayne and Ryan Reynolds in that Hobbs and Shaw thing together oh, for my that gosh. scene. Yeah, in their dreams. Yeah, no, no, no. It's oh, it's, their uh, dreams probably only include themselves. Yeah, it's just them drinking their own alcohol. That's their yeah. dreams. On cheat days, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, with, with their mint mobile phones. Yeah. So Watching soccer. Something very funny. Uh, you know, we have we have really beat the dead horse of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. So you can see our Hobbs and Shaw episode and, and, pre, and Deadpool episodes to hear more about that. But Patrick Willems, uh, by the time this comes out, last year came out with this video about when actors 
that's like become a brand. Yeah, it's like branding over art or something like yeah. that. And he he was specifically talking about those two, and it was so funny. And he even highlighted the comment where he's like, "It's uh, something like who put Mint Mobile ads on this?" And it's true, a Mint Mobile ad came on in the middle of his video, and I was like, "That's crazy." Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then, um, Danny goes to a casino right away, and he's like immediately wanting to get a job going. Mm-hmm. So he goes to a casino. He meets. Uh, this is when the escalator shot happens, and mm-hmm. and I wrote, "Looking like a snack, um, <laughs> looking like a meal, <laughs> looking like Thanksgiving dinner." <laughs> and then he um he meets Bernie Mac. Yeah, and he kind of Bernie it, Mac is working at this casino. Yeah, under a different name now, Ramon. Yeah, yeah, and and he's kind of like, okay, I got something in the works. You know, you're gonna be in that sort of a thing. Yeah, and then where what is uh Brad Pitt's character's name again? Um. Oh my gosh, I am forgetting. Uh, Rusty, I think. Hmm. Right, Russ. Mm, Come on. Let's see. Let's. See. Yeah, Rusty. Good yeah. job. Yeah. So he asks him what Rusty has been up to, and he says he's in L.A. like teaching celebrities, celebrities blackjack, how to play poker. 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 Um, so then we cut to one Rusty. of the funnier scenes. Yeah. Of a movie full of funny scenes. Um. And, and okay, you know what else I like about this is we have we've become very overcome with it's like the deadpoolification of blockbuster movies where like the joke is the character in the movie no like knows they're in a movie not yes. not necessarily literally but they, they'll be There's like some kind of fourth wall f- break feeling. yeah where it's like okay we got to make this joke before the audience makes the joke so they know we're in on the joke mm-hmm. which i think it works really well in guardians has its place yeah, because I think James Gunn is really good at that. Yeah. But it's like every Marvel movie does it. Every yeah. superhero movie does it. Every blockbuster movie does it now. Um, but this movie, I love it. It just has like natural humor, and it's just funny. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not it's not winking at the camera. Yeah. And I, it's just so refreshing to watch a movie that's not like, hey, did you notice that I noticed these things? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just funny. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we get there, and this is the ultimate Brad eating movie. It is. I think the whole series is the ultimate Brad eating. Yes. And, you know, he always eats, but he's really eating in yeah. the series. And and there's a scene later where he's having shrimp cocktail. Yeah. And s- I saw that he ate, like, hundreds. Not hundreds. No, not hundreds. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Like, 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hyperbole. Yeah, but, but, like, he ate so many. Yeah, because when, you, when you're shooting, you know, you have to just, if you're actually going to eat. Mm-hmm. And, and before he did that, um, Soderbergh was like, are you sure you want to do shrimp cocktail? Cause we might have to do this a lot. And he's like, oh yeah, let's do it. He's given George Costanza a run for his money <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> um, and I think I've said it before, just a huge pet peeve of me yeah. is when people have food and you all, you can just tell that they're pushing food around on their plate or they're taking little nibbles. I, I know why they're doing it. I know. Yeah. That's why I think, like, in, in movies and TV, when it shows that they're at the end of the meal, like, that's when the scene, yeah, but that's where we get to, and the food has been eaten, that's, like, almost, like, a better choice to me. Yeah. Because the actors don't need to eat. They've eaten. Well, and um, it's almost like, it's almost like, it's almost better to just have, like, oh, let's go get a drink, if you want your yeah. characters to sit down, because they can just sip on anything, and it's fine. Yeah. You know? But... It, it is such a, yeah, it's just a huge pet peeve. That's why, I, like, one of the best things in Seinfeld is everyone is constantly eating. And, yeah. like, eating. Yeah. I love it. Well, and and I, if I recall, I think it's Ocean's 12. I think part of 
Rusty's like whole character is he's he just quit smoking, so he's always sucking on a sucker in the oh, next movie. Okay. But that might be thirteen. Okay. But I'm pretty sure it's twelve. So like the whole movie and he's he's kinda just a little bit more annoyed at everybody because yeah. he just quit smoking, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so he's he's over, he's teaching celebrities, and we have Topher Grace as Topher Grace. Yeah. And they're like teaching him poker. It's very funny. They they There's a round table it. of other celebrities who yeah. are themselves. Yes. Yeah. And uh and then Clooney comes in and you know, Brad he plays with them. He plays with them and Brad's like, What's the first rule of poker? No emotion. You know, he's trying Which, to he's setting up the template of the movie. Yeah. With that, because you know, t- or Tony. Uh Clooney comes, <laughs> Clooney comes to him with like, I got this job. Yeah. And as, as oh, right. Work, the emo- yeah. Yeah. yeah as, as you know, the further we get into the job and everything you learn, like, oh, okay, well he, he didn't leave his emotions at the door. No, this is really about his wife. Yeah. And take and winter back or, you know, stick it in that guy's craw. So on and so forth. Right. Um, but he cleans house, doesn't he? He, yeah. Clooney, Clooney takes the house, you know, and then, uh, I like that afterward when they're, I love that shot when they're driving. Um, yeah. I just like how it looks. But, oh yeah, the like behind. Oh yeah, the car. It, like the camera's mounted on the car. This Peter Andrews guy is a great cinematographer. <laughs> but they're talking, and I love that that Rusty's like, I am so bored. Yeah, and Clooney's like, Of course you're bored. Yeah, look what you're doing. But there's a great. I just want to point out. Uh, it just this is like what Brad does in this series. There's a great thing at the beginning where Topher's like, hey, I, I actually found out my agent said that I could write this off if we, I do like checks and stuff because it could be stuff for a future role. Brad does not say anything and they stop in the hallway and he looks at him and he's like, or or we could stick to cash. Ah, yeah, yeah let's stick to cash. That sounds <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. And then the other, the other thing that was, it, it's just wild imagining this. Topher Grace walks out with Brad Pitt in the scene and fans like mob Topher Grace and Brad Pitt walks by. And it's like, that is the only time that's ever happened ever where people chose Topher Grace (laughs) over Brad Pitt, (laughs) which I think he, he, he gets that. He gets that little, you know, in joke. I I think Topher Grace understands who he is as an actor. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I I used to really not like Topher Grace. Why? Cause of Spider-Man. I think it was, I think it was Spider-Man. Oh, I think I just saw him and really hated I mean, he's kind of like an annoying, or, you know, he's yeah. a foil, you yeah. know, in and, that and, movie. And then, and then I, I think he's in Predators, and he kind of does the, he's always kind of the same, like, sniveling sure. kind of guy. Yeah. But the older I get, the more I'm like, no, that's, uh, he's doing like something good. him and Justin Long are similar. Yeah. In roles that they've done. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of douchey. Yeah. But Justin Long can really pull off the, like, genuine pretty well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um. But yeah, he can also, I, I think that's why he can do the, the sniv, you know, like in Barbarian, because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, Justin Long, like, I love this guy. And then you're like, oh, this guy's not a good guy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives him like a good Two-Face quality. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh, he should play Two-Face. <gasps> um, but all that to say, I think I like Topher Grace now. Okay. But I never watched that 70s show, and I never no. will. Um, or that new sitcom that he is, was in. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. But, uh. Although when it, whenever we cover Spider Man, I still think that he he's not what I would imagine, you know, Venom. To so he's be. the third movie. Yeah, he's the third okay. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a take, mm-hmm. and I I think Spider Man Three is aged better than people give it credit. I for. saw Spider Man Three 
so long ago, probably still kind of a kid, that any of part of it was fine with me. Yeah. Because I just liked the movies that much. Well, I remember I, and of course we'll talk about it whenever we cover that, but I I liked that movie so much when it came out, and then I since learned that people, you know, hated it. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's the bad one. But we've had so many superhero movies, and that movie is still probably better than like 70% yeah. of like the cinematic universe. Yeah. So it's like, if you watch it now, you're like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, Brad could not be cooler. That's a note that I have. That's a note you took, yeah. Um, Then there's Black Turtleneck, which Jordan always has this thing with George Clooney where she's like, oh, he wears that that black turtleneck. Men in black turtlenecks work. Which Which I I really need to get a black turtleneck. Because I think think whenever we're watching anything and and the actor has a black turtleneck on in the scene, I'm like, oh, I'm interested now. Yeah, yeah. Let's really see what this guy has to say. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the especially in your mind, all you're hearing is hummity, hummity, humma. <laughs> it all originates with Clooney, though. I yeah. mean, he is, he is, as I said, handsome, epitome of handsome. But when, <laughs> when we did Batman and Robin, I think like on the Batman Forever episode, I'm pretty sure there's a yeah. moment where you're like, oh, Clooney's in the next one. That's the turtleneck, and, and we, we watched never, it, and there's no turtleneck. Had it, yeah. So it so must be this movie. This movie's the turtleneck. And, and here's the thing with me, guys. They're like. There are handsome men. Uh huh. There are hot men. Yeah. There's a distinction for me. Yes, absolutely. Clooney is handsome. He's distinguished. Yeah. And there, there are. That's a camp. Yeah. That that there are other people in that camp. That, that there's there's a difference for me. So what what is the handsome equivalent of a woman? Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Like like to me, Margot Robbie is beautiful. Yeah. She's not hot. Oh, she She's, skirts both lines, baby. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm speaking from my personal <laughs> yeah, preference, yeah. but she is be- <laughs> she is beautiful. Gal Gadot, beautiful. Yeah. Basically, anytime I've mentioned that it seems like that woman came out of the womb fully formed. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Adonis, or uh, whatever the female equivalent <laughs> of that is. Yeah, Helen of Troy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, we're firing on all cylinders on this app. Um, so then they talk to Elliot Gould, Ruben. And this is like, you're already into the movie, but then it like clicks here. Yeah. Because they're like, we're, we want to rip off three casinos I love in Vegas. This guy's get up. I think he's so Las Vegas. Yeah. And he, it's just so garish. Yes. Love it. He's funny. So yeah, he's like the bankroller, right? Okay. So they come to him with this plan for a job. They want to rob. Great to nod on a podcast. Yeah, um, they they want to rob not just one casino, but three of them owned by, what's his name? Oh, um, ah, crap. Uh, uh, it's I know it's Andy Garcia, of course, but what is the character name? Um, oh, I can't find not it. Not Vincent. Not, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to fill the space so that I won't edit any of this right now. I know, um, I know. The, oh, uh, Terry Benedict. Yeah, Terry Benedict. And yeah. so he's like... You want to rip off Terry Benedict? And he goes, there's only been three successful Las yeah. Vegas robberies. And then it goes through these robberies. And and uh, and they're all so silly and... And fun. And they have their own music cues. Yeah. Um, and, and his delivery just, like, what, what's, what's funny is th- this is the kind of thing that, like, movies always do now. And, and sometimes I prefer you just sit with the actor telling the story because movies always want to do their like yeah. have have their cake and eat it too yeah 
But th- this series is like the ultimate example of like restraint and cake eating. Well, it's just you just have to be good at. It's an editing thing. Yeah, it, and it's just it's just knowing. Yeah. Your, your movie. So like this movie is edited so well with those kinds of cuts. Yeah. And it's like any time, like any decision Edgar Wright ever makes. Yeah. He's edited, also like, he's like one of the, that. like his, does he edit his movies? I don't think he does, but, but whoever he works with yeah. in collaboration with, it's always like the masterclass of editing to me. Yeah. Cause there's such a difference between like David Leach, who I think whoever he works with at editing is pretty bad. Yeah. You know, because I think of bullet train, a movie that's fun. Yeah. And there's so much like, Oh, joke. Now we got to cut and show the joke. Yeah. And it's again it's like the deadpoolification of blockbusters where where it's like, you know, sometimes you can just sit with it and you can you can say something like we said earlier like let's do the Madonna twist and you don't have to go back and show that. Yes. You know. And so this movie it's it's like unusual that it has three flashbacks in mm-hmm. it right here, but I think because it only happens this once, it hits and it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Soderbergh is I mean a thousand maybe a million times better at directing than david leach who's pretty bad at it so yeah. far um but uh yeah so anyway uh but so but when, the, he, when he finds out that it's terry benedict well just you really quick sorry but the the screenwriter ted he yeah. he was like um he he wrote that and and then soderbergh added the flashbacks that was not in the oh, cool. script so that was something he added to it and maybe yeah. that helps too that it wasn't written and it was like Let's do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's cool. Anyway. Um, so when he finds out, uh, Ruben, that this is Terry Benedict's casino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, I got a personal vendetta against that guy. He, yeah. So it sounds like he, like Terry Benedict bought his casino. Yeah. And is going to tear it down. Yes. Um, which we see in the movie. Which we later. do see. Do you, oh man, I love that shot. We'll get to it. Yeah. But, no, but here's, here's what's great. This whole movie, cause it's, it's not just a heist. It's like a poker movie because yeah. everyone's trying to bluff. Yeah. And so even in this scene, you have this moment where they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. We couldn't pull it off. And they're like walking away. And then he goes, and they're bluffing right And he's now. just like, well, if you. What were the casinos that you were going to yeah. rip off? And they're like, oh yeah, the Bellagio MGM and something else. And they're like, Terry Benedict's casinos. <laughs> they bluffed. They like. Yeah. They knew. They knew that they had to sit through this lunch for, t- and he was going to say yeah. no. And they knew that. Yeah. They, it was like perfectly timed on their head. They had to walk away. They knew he was going to ask. Exactly. And, and all this that. is this is the thing about heist movies that's so exciting, and and time travel movies can do it too, where basically what you have is you have this formula where you sit down and you go, okay, audience, A plus B equals C. Yeah. And then they proceed to just go. A plus B equals C. And you watch the movie and you see the equation roll out. They they set it out in front of you. And then you're like, that was awesome. There's not like, there are twists because you try to see like how they get there. Yeah. But it, it's just funny because it's like, they anytime in a heist movie, they come up against a problem. It's usually part of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. So it's like the, kind of the only genre of movie where you basically tell the audience, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then that's what happens. Yeah. And and you walk away and you're like, I'm so satisfied. Yeah. It's like a magic trick. Is it, I, I, that's what it is. So it's magic. Is it in one of the other movies? I just feel like I remember they're explaining the plan and it's it's happening as they're explaining it. Is it technically this movie? I know it's kind of happening this movie. I just feel like there's one where they're saying the entire plan, and by uh-huh. the time they're done talking about it, it's all been done, so we don't have to go through it again. I think that's I think that's twelve. Okay. If it is, I just remember the first time I saw that, it blew 
my freaking yeah. mind that it was like, how come? I mean, not that I want every movie to do this, but it's like, how come not every movie does this? Where <laughs> yeah, they say yeah. like, this is what we have to do. Because sometimes when you watch a movie and they're like, this is what, this is the plan that we have to do. It's like, oh my gosh. Then you're going through the movie and it's like, they still got that third part thing. How long is this freaking movie? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, not That's every the movie. time travel problem we've talked about a lot. That is the time travel problem. Yeah. So, But in this movie, that, that's this is like set such a template, I feel like, for heist movies. Yeah. And you just got to keep them like fast. Yes. Yeah. And you got to know what you're doing. You really do. Yeah. And, and like that, that, that's, that's the genius of Christopher Nolan deciding, Hey, this movie inception I've been working on for 10 years, even though I originally thought of it as maybe more of a horror, the correct way to do this is heist. You thought of it as a horror? Yeah, he he was playing around with the idea of of like horror esque, you know. Oh yeah, and, and you see those elements in the movie with him and uh, Ma Ma Mod Mod Mall Mall, um, but but that movie works because it's a heist format, and and that's the yeah. the heist is also one of the rare genres where you can get away, excuse me, get away with uh, exposition not being boring yeah. and not and not sh- showing and not. Or telling and not showing sometimes. How that can be more interesting. Like how you can make it work. Sure. You yeah, know, totally. Because the whole movie, you're like, we're setting up the heist. We're setting up the heist. This is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now all the dominoes are set up. Let's go. Yeah. Knock them down. But to find out that it's already happened. Yeah. While they're explaining it, it's like, whoa. I, yeah. I, I think that's 12. Okay. And, and again, 12 is the classic thing where they go through the whole thing and you're like, and then they're like, oh, but you failed. And then mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, that no, was all part didn't. of the plan. We, I think the reason some people don't like that movie is, again, we're going to talk about it next week, but they steal the Fabergé egg before their fake heist, and then they proceed to do an entire fake heist. Oh, so like none of it matters. And then at the end of the movie, the guy's like, I thwarted you, and, and they're like, actually, we stole it like before we did the whole fake heist. Oh, and I, I yeah, think that's kind of like amazing and kind of like a subversion of the genre. And interesting, yeah, sure. And it, it, like the characters are fun to watch. But I think sure. people are like, oh, they just ripped it off at the beginning. <laughs> Remember, in this just makes me think of Community in the episode with Chang taking over the school, uh-huh. and they're, it's the heist episode. And right. Yeah. They they get to the end and they get caught. And I think Pierce says something like, "Ah, but we wanted to get caught. This is part <laughs> right, of the plan." Right, right, and right. someone's like, "No, Pierce." That wasn't part of the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Too good. Um, Okay, so then we meet all of the crew. Mm -hmm. We meet uh, Khan and Affleck, Mm -hmm. who are two brothers that bicker the whole movie. Yeah. Hilarious. Yep. We meet um, Basher, who is the... Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. He's the uh, explosives expert, basically. Yeah. And we have... Brad Pitt, maybe in like the same kind of trench coat he wears in Seven, show up as an inspector because Basher gets arrested. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I'm not positive about that. And then he's like, he he does that great thing where he takes him from the cop and he's like, you know, I'm here. I'm investigating him. And he probably did this and this, didn't he? And the cop's like, yeah. And then he goes, go get me. I think he says. Go get my partner so-and-so. I think he says, get Richards or, or some name. And the guy's like, who's Richards? And he's like, just fuck. Him. and then he walks away with them <laughs> yeah it's awesome um and then they get um carl reiner yeah carl? at the at the dog race um yeah so he's there at the dog races he you know old guy but you know this is one more job yeah um but carl reiner's like i you know i've slowed down i got a lady i like 
I got my routine. Yeah. And the, he's like, but what, just tell me what's the job. Yeah. And then love it when they do the no dialogue. No, you don't yep. hear what he's saying, yep. but Brad's telling him and he slowly, his, his attention slowly fades away from the dog race <laughs> to good. Brad. Too good. And he just leaves him with a plane ticket and leaves. Yeah. Great. And here's another hilarious joke in this movie where George Clooney will be like, oh, can we get Mickey on this job? And he goes, no, he died. And he's like, oh, did he, uh, like, prison or something like that? And he goes, cancer. (laughs) And then later in the movie, he's like, hey, can we, I think they're talking about Carl Reiner, and he's like, he's out of the business, and he's like, um, he says something that's a lot more dramatic and then he's like ulcers <laughs> so it's this there's this thing about like yeah i guess you could you can just age it doesn't yeah. have to be like this fantastic yeah. death or fantastic thing that happened it's like nah he just died from cancer which i think in a way also shows how good they are at their jobs yeah yeah <laughs> they can just kind of be done yeah <laughs> um and then they get matt damon yeah, well, well, they get they get um yen oh, the, uh, yeah, or yen. yen. Oh, that was hilarious when they're uh, Brad takes them to the circus tent. Yeah, they're watching it, and Clooney's like, "So what? This guy's supposed to be really good watching it happen." And he's like, "Oh, come on!" Like basically, like I could do that. And then he does this thing where he's like speechless. Yeah. After what he saw Yen do, and Brad's like, "Yeah, I think that'll work." And, yeah. and just the look on Clooney's face, he is just like like a child completely swept away. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get the tech guy as well. Right, right, right. And then lastly, they get Matt Damon. Yeah. Who pickpockets. Yeah. And he's the son of someone. That's yeah. the reference. Yeah. Who I think is in the next movie. His dad, I think. Oh, okay. I think there's a fun like reveal. Okay. Um, Can't remember for sure though. Uh, do, do, you remember, do you remember him, the, his, his big scene in oceans 13 where he, where he has to like seduce the woman oh not really oh my gosh it's one of the funniest things in the world <laughs> it's so funny he has that giant nose on oh, oh i like barely remember it's so good yeah. oh, good movie um but yeah they get him and he's like i'm the son and 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 so this sets up this relationship of which again i think works as that meta commentary is like he's going to be the next movie star and replace yeah. Brad and Clooney but they're like but you're oh, still a movie about movies but he is <laughs> but I, hey, no, that's a fun take no, right no I, I agree it's good um but he's like their protege basically he's yeah. kind of like on the bench yeah um cuz basically as they're preparing for this whole job his job is to observe yeah just watch everyone what what is Terry Benedict's schedule that kind of stuff. But he, of course he wants to like get in the action. Yeah. You know, more than just sit around and do yeah. nothing. Um, and then, then they have Charmaine. Uh, they steal the key card from them, the stripper. Oh yeah. From some guy, uh, which I remember being like, being a sixth grader and being like, this is like a lot. This is crazy. <laughs> Watching it now. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, gets the key card. Yeah. And then the tech guy has to go in and like get them into the, the security footage, right? Yeah. They, they to yes. tap into it. And again, just great. Like he has to go in, do this thing. He's distracted by the, the brothers, like leaving balloons and arguing mm-hmm. about balloons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going in and he wipes his brow cause he gets all sweaty. Yeah. He's, he's a very nervous, but person. he had the directions written on it, the palm of his hand and now they're blurred. Yeah. And it's, it's little things like that. I think that make again, all. I'll keep hitting the dead horse of David Leach. You know, you go in and it's like, what's a good problem? Mm-hmm. 
And he'll be like, let's do some crazy CGI nonsense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, often the more memorable and the better problem is something that you're like, oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, come on. I know. They they provide tension in very simple ways. Like, because this plan, you know, it goes near perfect. Yeah. But there are a couple little hiccups like that. Yeah. Or um, when like getting get, your hand stuck in the door. Yeah. And yet is, stu- is in that cylinder for a while. Yeah. At, and the guy leaves the briefcase on top. Yeah. Of the of it. And so it's like, oh, if the briefcase falls off, it's going to set off all the alarms. Right. And they'll be done. And I Great know tension. I'm comparing, you know, Bullet Train and this movie and they're very they're wildly different. Yeah. But it is like I think about I think about that movie just in terms of like the potential is so high. And he always goes with, this is why I don't want to see Fall Guy. I'm not interested in it because it's a fun premise, but I know that the third act of that movie is just going to be CGI nonsense. Mm-hmm. Where, it's also about a video game stuff. Not Fall Guy. What are you talking about? The Ryan Reynolds movie? No, no. Fall Guy coming out. The Ryan Gosling movie that's coming out in a few months. What's Oh, Free Guy is what I'm thinking yeah. of. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I just don't trust him as a director because he's going to be like, let's do this huge action CGI spectacle. Yeah. And his CGI in his movies always looks like complete garbage. Yeah. Um, and it's not like, just follow the truth of the characters. So mm-hmm. you have this sweaty character who just wipes his brow, and now you have tension. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. And and then a guy's like tra- following him, and he's like, hey, you left your device in here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's a great scene. I always remember that scene because it's so simple. Yeah. I wouldn't remember if it was a CGI monster that chased him. I know that that wouldn't happen in Oceans, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, Sweaty Directions, then Tess comes in. Yeah. Um, Clooney's ex-wife. And and this is so great because Matt Damon's like, this is the best part of my day. <laughs> and she comes down the stairs, another movie star. Yep. Letting her be a movie star. Beautiful. Beautiful. Apparently not wearing shoes, according to you. That's what I read. Yeah. In a lot of the scenes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I say don't wear shoes if you don't want to wear shoes and you're getting paid millions of dollars to be in something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So uh, Brad recognizes her, of course, and is like, His oh, reaction. this job is effed. Yeah. So he, you know, immediately goes to Clooney and is like, so what are you, what are we really doing here? Yeah. And then Clooney's like, it is about her. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to walk if it's about her. Yeah. But, but of course, you know, he's calling, he's calling Brad's bluff. Mm-hmm. They're bluffing again. Um, but then d- does that lead to George talking to Tess? I mean, we can get there, but. Oh yeah. It is actually. She, the next she is at dinner waiting for Terry cause she's with him. Yeah. And Clooney shows up instead and she's. Very... I thought the computer like shut off. <laughs> I was so worried. She's very obviously upset. To see him. Yeah. Because he, she, basically their whole marriage was a sham. Or not a sham, but a lie. Yeah. To her. She knew, she didn't know any of this part, like this, that he was a thief. Yeah. Um, and wants nothing to do with him. And he's still kind of like pleading his case. Yeah. You know. And and there's. there. What is that line that she says? Oh, I so got good? it written down. Okay. Yeah. But the, the great back and forth dialogue. But he says, he says, does oh, he make did, you laugh? Yeah. And she says, well, he doesn't make me cry. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Ted, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so then then they run into some sort of issue. Oh, yeah, Basher goes into the sewers, and they were counting on triggering something because, like, the... They found, like, a weak point, I think, in their security 
yeah. down there or something. I think it had to do with like earthquakes or something and they could like, um, or no, that's the third movie. But it was something they could do to trigger it to shut down the security yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, but then the casinos discovered the weak point and yeah. are fixing it. Yeah. So they got to come up with some other thing. They're kind of thinking about like nuclear, not a nuclear, like actually do anything like that. Just like there might be a solution. We just need to get this like reactor that can basically shut down the power of all of Las yeah, Vegas. The pinch. The pinch. Yeah. Um. So they need to go to some university in California. Yeah. To get it. Yeah. Um. So they're stealing this giant contraption. Matt Damon's waiting in the van. Can't handle the bickering of the brothers. So leaves and goes into the building at the exact same time. The guys come out with the the thing, and they he's he's lost in the building. Oh, it's such a funny scene when they're yeah. like, all of them are silently staring up at the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they see the security guards go in, and they see Matt Damon running around, and then he just breaks a window. Yeah. Oh, it's such a mess. Um. So. Okay, couple couple things about that scene. Um, one, and and if you know, listener, any earlier examples, let me know. I feel like this is the movie that brought the EMP, the electromagnetic pulse, the thing that causes that explosion, to the public consciousness. Okay. And I'd love uh, if anyone knows of an earlier example. And then two, um, that was supposed to be like a big car chase scene. Oh. And it was going to be this big old like heist I like thing. this better. I do as well. Um, I think, uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember why they changed it, but I think, I think it just didn't feel true to the story they I were building. Also just like car chase scene is what you expect. Exactly. And so Ted wrote this like really fast. He didn't have much time to write it. Yeah. And then they film it. And Soderbergh on the commentary was like, I don't feel like I nailed this scene. He said, I think the only way reason that the scene works is because... It is it is a fun and well written scene, even though Ted's like, I don't mm. feel like I nailed it either. But Soderbergh's like, but I think the actors sell this scene. I yeah, absolutely. they're the ones that make it feel like it's the scene's the, it's good. It's the little things. It's when Yen says something, no one speaks yeah. his language, and Clooney just looks back and stares at him like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then looks back up at the building and says potentially the same thing Yen just said, but no one would know. Right. Hilarious. I, I think it's a great scene, but yeah, um, yeah. Hello. Or, Hel- wait. <laughs> you, you just let him know that no, we had to take you, a break. You can cut this. You can cut this. No, I can't. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. This is this is the beginning of the year. This is an unedited podcast. We don't edit this podcast. Well, guess what? Anymore. It's twenty twenty four. We're still parents and we're still tired. Whoa. Okay. What is this actually about, Jordan? Me being tired. <laughs> <laughs> no. So um, then, this is when um, Bernie Mac gets in trouble. And gets fired from uh, Terry's casino, and their their start the plan is in motion now. Yeah, Matt it, Damon is there, the the government official to let them know that this man is a convict. Oh, and or this an ex, is, or whatever he has a criminal past. Yeah, and and this is after they find out with George that that Terry has like put him on the watch list, and he won't be able to do the heist that night. Yeah, which looking back when you finish it's part the movie, of the plan, it's all part of the plan, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, hilarious scene yeah. with Matt Damon, Jerry Garcia, Jerry Garcia, Andy Garcia, Jerry yeah. Garcia from the Grateful, Grateful Dead, Dead. Um, and Bernie Mac, um, because Matt Damon lets some vocabulary slip where he is. Yeah, he says something like, uh, he but says. He's, he's a little racist. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, provokes Bernie Mac to like, Yeah. And then, and then pretty Bernie Mac, he's like, that he's sounds like, so weird to just say it like that, but 
well, he's like, he's like, you may as well call it white jack. <laughs> yeah. He's saying that he's getting fired because of that. So then they get in a tussle, and then that allows Matt Damon to steal the codes. Yes. That they're going to need, the security codes. Yes. And it is kind of crazy because, like, the last act of this movie, it's it's it pretty much just starts, like, almost unceremoniously. It's yeah, like, it does. You're just in the heist. Yeah. And they're just doing it. Um, And so, like, then... Then pretty much after that, like Clooney gets seen, mm-hmm. and he gets uh, put in a side room where he's well, going to he get sees beat up. Tess one last time, and she's like, "You're here to blah 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 blah," and he just says, "I'm here to say goodbye." Yeah, kisses her on the cheek. Yeah, and then he gets taken away. Yes, and then um, everything else is beginning. Uh, you have uh, Cal, Cal Solomon. That's that's Paul of Tompkins' character. Yeah. Uh, his name is Solomon. It's just Solomon. Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, Carl, Carl Reiner. Oh, okay. And he he has like figured out a way to weasel his stuff into the safe. Yep. Then you have the brothers wheel in. He's bringing. He's they're bringing in explosives into the safe. Yes. Um, and then the brothers are ta- ensure that Yen is put into the safe. Yes, where they put the briefcase on. Yes, and so his acrobatics take a take a little bit of a turn. So, um, Damon and Clooney get together, and they have to go down the elevator shaft. Uh huh. And then they. Well, I, I love with with Clooney how this huge guy walks in, and then he's like, "Hey, how's it going?" And then he's like, "All right." Like, he has I'm gonna your wife. Get going. She's pregnant again. <laughs> yeah. And then later, there's that. See, it's like one of my favorite little bits of acting where the guy's fake fighting and yeah. no one's in the room, and and he he puts his hand he cups mouth, his mouth. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, he goes, oh, <laughs> and it's just the funniest thing. It's hilarious. Um, so when Damon and Clooney are in the elevator shaft, they slide this thing to incapacitate the guards in front of the yeah. safe, and it is just so satisfying. Well, I I. Ha- only I it, we'd be remiss not to mention that they do the EMP blast. Oh yeah, that looked so good. Yeah, man, and and Cheadle was so funny. Yeah, he grabs his crotch like yeah. he's gonna pee or something. No, like it's going to obliterate his pee. Oh, I always took it as like I think I'm gonna pee. No, like because it's some yeah. kind of nuclear yeah. thing, and it's gonna be like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to have kids after this. <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying to protect himself, which is so funny. And then the, yeah, the way that they the the it's like barely an explosion, mm-hmm. um, but it just looks and so it knocks good. Out the power in all of Las Vegas. It's, it's just another thing with this movie where it's like you would expect it to be this big giant cacophony, and it was just like kind of blows the roof off a little bit and bursts the windows of the of the surrounding cars. Yeah, it's just it, man, it's great. It's so great, and then and then that allows them to go down the laser elevator shaft. Yeah, and now this isn't even the best laser scene in the series, but it's a pretty good laser scene. Uh, but next week we'll talk about one yeah. of the coolest laser scenes, um, and a song that is so cool. But if it's not in the right context, it's very annoying. Oh, I don't remember the song. But it's cool. I've played it a couple times, and you were like, "Turn this off. What is this?" But in the context of the movie, it's great. What is it? Uh, it's this. It's the song that plays during the laser scene. That in, doesn't in the help next me. Movie. It, it's very accordion heavy, but oh, it's so okay. cool. Okay. Um. But anyway. So they they get down the shaft, Damon and Clooney, and then they're able to go, you know, get to where they need to go. They're at the safe vault. Yeah. And then Yen's putting on the explosives. 
gets his arm stuck. Clooney has the remote to blast it. But of course, he didn't change the batteries. Just another funny little touch so where, where Damon's so good. like, you got to check these things. You're, you're getting old. You just. Yeah. You always got to remember to check these things. Hilarious. And it prevents Yen from being killed. Yeah. Um, And then they get in. They start stealing. And then I think around this time, Solomon fakes a heart attack. Yeah. Which I couldn't remember if he actually had one or not. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. then, then when you see Brad Pitt in like a terrible wig, it's hilarious. Like it's, yeah. so, it's so on purpose. Like, yeah. Comes in as a doctor and he's like, he and declares him dead. dead. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, what's happening right now? And they're stealing the money. And then Terry gets a phone call. Now, uh, I, I will mention as well, just because we mentioned, you know, the, the guy who, uh, is faking that there's a fight. Um, something that Soderbergh is like crazy good at. And, and I don't know if people talk about this a lot, but he is, he is one of those people that's really good with people that are not the main actors and people who maybe are just day players or aren't even actors. Mm, mm -hmm. Cause in his movies, there's, it's, there's always a, I guess I haven't noticed that about his movies. Yeah. There's just memorable people that aren't the main people. Yeah. You know, when you watch it a couple times, it's it's like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man thing where like those movies are full of all these other characters that aren't even comic book characters necessarily. And you yeah. just like remember them. Yeah. Because it's presented in a good in good way. Yeah. He's just very good at that. Um and so then uh Terry gets the phone call. It's Brad Pitt and he's like, "Check your monitor and you see this you know, disheveled place, and there's all these people loading up the money in the safe. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, then... They call 911. Yeah. SWAT team arrives. And, and basically he has like a $80 million hostage, is what they say. Where it's like, he, Pitt tells him, we've taken $80 million, we've left half in the safe. If mm -hmm. you do anything, we will blow up the remaining $80 million. Right. So yeah, holding it hostage, basically like, because that's the thing that Terry said is like, well, how do you guys expect to walk out of here? Yeah. With $80 million. And he's like, well, this is how, and it's the hostage situation. Yeah. And then they call 911 and a SWAT team arrives. And then they quote, blow it up. And you see like the yeah. money blowing up. Everywhere. Yeah. We don't see what happens. We're just hearing like shouting and shooting yeah. and then explosion. What, what just happened? Speaking of shouting, shooting just and explosion. Oh, okay. Sounded like something fell off a truck. Perhaps a heist in progress. Like a pair of shoes. <laughs> like a pair of shoes. That's like the mafia thing where it's like, where'd you get that jacket? Oh, it fell off a truck. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I should know that. We're rewatching Sopranos. Yeah. Come on. Um, but I mean, he's in the waste disposal business. He's he's totally clean cut. Waste management? Waste waste management. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Tony's Tony's totally clean. He's just taking care of trash, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and getting therapy. Trash and therapy. That's mm -hmm. all you need. Um so then, then there's this great, I, I love this, where uh, Terry's looking at the footage and he goes, wait a second, does that, do you see like the, you know, the, the floor Bellagio okay. seal at the bottom? And the guy's like, no, I don't see it. And he's like, we got it last Tuesday. That's a fake. And, and then you realize like they filmed the explosion. Because earlier we saw them make a replica of the safe, which from my memory, like the, we don't really know why they're replicating it, other than like they're practicing. Yeah, and and that's that's the great it. thing is you're thinking like, oh, they just need to practice. Like they need like, to Yen know where everything is and know where they need to steal stuff. I guess. Yeah, but they filmed it. Yeah. So that then they can fake it, and they didn't know that the Bellagio floor had been updated. Uh huh. 
So that's when he notices it. But by then, the SWAT have already taken the money. And there's like a dummy car that supposedly has money. And the SWAT yes. car is already away. And they chase this SWAT car. No, they chase the van. I'm sorry, the van. There's yeah. no driver in the. the yeah. It's a computer, you know, remote control. Robot. Um. Oh, that one. Oh, but it is remote controlled because Casey's controlling yeah. it. Yeah. And they blow up the van. And it's full of, um, like flyers for, um, like prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is a classic staple of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and does Terry notice that the stuff blown up in his safe is full of flyers? Yeah. That's when he notices it. Yeah. He comes in and the music's like, so good. Then we see our boys, Brad walking out, SWAT suits. pull up his visor. Yeah. And he's got the SWAT thing. And I remember the first time I watched it, it's like, what? Yeah. What is going on? And, and so while this is all happening, Terry tells Tess to go up to the room. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be here for this as he's trying to take care of all of this business. And while she's up there freaking out, you know, like her Clooney definitely has something to do with this. What's happening. She gets a call and says, turn to channel 88. And she sees security cam footage of Terry talking to Clooney, who's being uh-huh. escorted out. And Clooney said, I can help you get the money back. Because yeah, he's like, he's like, tell me, Danny, tell me what it is. And he's like, I can, I can help you get the money back. But would you give up Tess? Yeah. And he says, yes. So she sees that and she's like, oh, and, so well, that's and, where this relationship is. And then I love, is. too, where he's like, OK, I know a guy and he always knows when a job's going on, which makes him seem pretty innocent in my yeah. eyes. And then he's like, you know, a guy that's what you have for yeah. me and he's like just go yep so tess is like f you terry um and, and i think she said like you you above you over anyone else terry should know there's that always, always someone watching there's always someone watching in your casinos so she runs after clooney who's being taken away by the police because he's violated his parole he left new jersey yeah um and she's like yeah it worked you got me. Well, th- and this is classic, like, 1950s, like, yeah. old Hollywood moment where she comes swinging in, and then she's like, wait, that's my husband, and they kiss, <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. And she's like, how long do you think you'll be gone? He's like, I don't know, three to six months. And then it says three to, three two, to six, six months, months later. later. <laughs> I love that. But, and and we should mention that, you know, all of the phone call SWAT stuff was all them, and that's when they got all the money. Mm-hmm. And you get to see it play out, which is the best part. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, it's been a while, but we, I saw uh, Logan Lucky, another Soderbergh movie, another heist movie. Yeah. Um, I re- I feel like we got to we were watching that movie, and it gets to what feels like the end, and I was like, and and it's like he tricked me again because I feel like that movie, just from my memory, I don't remember that movie at all. Okay, from my memory, it kind of gets to what feels like the end of the movie and you're like i guess they didn't steal the money mm-hmm. and then it's like rewind <laughs> and mm-hmm. then he he like pulls the same trick he's done i would watch that again three times because i don't know? remember anything yeah remember there's a great game of thrones joke in that movie where like there's people in prison who are like demanding that they get the new game of thrones book um i, I just saw it on a video i was watching like they played that clip and yeah. i was like oh that's so funny oh, okay. but i don't remember exactly how the joke went but yeah. It was like they had guards hostage, and that's all they wanted was 
Like the last Game of Thrones book. The the new Game of Thrones book. Oh, I I think, well, yeah, it's like they wanted the new one and they're like, they they haven't come out with it. And they're like, come on, it's been five years. He's definitely come out with it. And they're like, we promise. And they're like, that's ludicrous. I mean, it seemed like he had a good idea and he, how could he not have finished the series by now? Isn't the show over? And they're like, yeah, the show's over, but (laughs) it's something like that. It's almost like Soderbergh's mad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, when this is all over, all of the dudes, besides Clooney, because he's arrested, are at that fountain. What's the fountain? Do you know? Uh, no. Okay. But I'm assuming famous fountain. Yeah. In Las Vegas. Um, I've been there. Yeah. Famous. If you've been there. Yeah. Um, all the dudes just hanging out there. Got some satisfied looks on their faces. And, and they all just melt away. Yeah. One by one. They just all leave. leave. And who's the last guy? That's there. Is it? Is it Solomon? Probably Brad. Probably. Oh no, Brad nope. was the first to leave. Yeah, I think it's Solomon. I want to say uh, Damon. No, it's no, no. It's definitely Solomon. Okay, he's the last one. Um, and you ha- you had read something. I just read nice that that was that. like one of the last uh, things that they shot, and Matt Damon said it was oddly emotional. Yeah. Little did they know they'd get back together two more times. Mm. Um, and then yeah, they're they're going to be tailed by. Terry's guys from mm-hmm. from now on, it seems like. Yep. But then Clooney gets out of jail three to six months later, or prison. Yeah. And Pitt's there to pick him up, um, eating a big burger. Yeah. Um, funny exchange between the two, like they hadn't missed a beat. Yeah. And Tess is waiting for him in the back of the car. And it's just a slam dunk. Yeah. It is it is just a slam dunk movie. Mm-hmm. And I I honestly I've said this before about other movies, but this one, I think in particular, if someone doesn't like this, I honestly don't trust them mm-hmm. because there's, there's like, it, it is the definition of like, ev- everybody can like it. Yeah. Like, it's like fun, entertaining time. my mom can, likes this the, movie. You know what I mean? On their faces, the actors that they're doing it, they're having fun. Yeah. You gotta have fun with them. It's, it's too, it's just, it's just electric. I love mm. this movie so much. It's one of my favorites. I'm glad we finally got to cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm still really bummed we're not doing my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I, I potentially, you know, it's a, it's a new year. Maybe we got some new listeners. I thought maybe they just found us. Let's tell them a little bit about ourselves because it's been a while. Okay, what do you want to know? I Well, just maybe some things that you do and some things that you can plug and I'll do the same. And then we can talk about what's happening on Patreon, which is kind of wild. Okay. So why don't you start? My name is Jordan McCaw. Oh, you know that. <laughs> um, I have art that you can look at and purchase sometimes. Um, you can go to my Instagram. Which at JM McCaw. JM underscore McCaw. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, JM underscore McCaw. Um, and through there, you can go to the link in my bio to go to my shop to get artwork stuff. I will be tabling at the Medford Comic-Con in May Very cool. of this year. Um, and hopefully more exciting art news to come a little bit later into the year. Yeah. So especially if you're local, put that on your calendar. Come and say hi to Jordan. And mm-hmm. Lauren will be there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, if you don't know, I play music. Uh, I got a lot of stuff coming out this year. On March 23rd, I will be hosting a 10-year anniversary show for my first album. So over on Patreon and everywhere else i am going to be celebrating my very first album revisiting a lot of stuff at that show we're going to play every song from the album i got a six-piece band 
Uh, we're starting practices this week, probably today, even tonight. So it's going to be off the chain, and I'm going to make a concert film I'm hoping to do and hopefully release a concert album as well. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then finally, on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Micah McCaw, and links to this stuff will be in the show notes. This year, we're doing something special. So we have a separate podcast on Patreon that comes out monthly called MPU The Sequel, where we cover movies that only have two entries. Mm -hmm. Because again, if you're new, we do three or more on this main feed. So on there, we do do two, um, and we have a lot of back episodes. But this year, we're specifically doing legacy sequels. So that's your Tron and Tron Legacy. Blade Runner. Uh, Top Gun. Beetlejuice. Shining. Uh, there's one more. I can't remember. But we're filling out all the months. We have a lot of cool guests. Um, and I think at the end of this episode, Did I'm going to... guess for that? Uh, we have on some of them, yeah. I have to get mentally prepared for it. They're, they're all friends. So <sighs> it'll be easy. Still. <laughs> Kidding. Um, so this month we are starting with Tron because I think that's the modern kickoff to what is the legacy sequel. Nice. Um, and then and then we'll go from there. And and on top of all that, um, I wrote a theme song that spoofs the. So so our original theme song is written by Anthony Panter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took it and I made it like the trailers for legacy movies. You like really slowed it down and made it moody. Yeah, so I'm working on it right now. By the time this comes out, it's done. But it starts off with like the piano hit where it's like, bing. And then I think maybe we'll be like, we exist to prove people. Ding, dong. Oh my gosh. And so I'm having fun with that. And that's going to be hilarious. So I'm going to play that to outro this. And hopefully you'll sign up. It's only three bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, So sign up. Uh, Thanks for listening. Next week, we're doing Oceans 12. See ya. This is the Macaw Podcast Universe. It's the podcast that exists to... Prove people wrong when they say... Sequels... Are never... Better... Than... The... Originals. I never wear hats when we record.